on today's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. What you have to do to an almond to make a cookie that like even resembles half of like an actual cookie made with like real flour, you know? So you just swapped out one version of processed foods for another version of processed foods that taste way worse. When we could have just fixed the quality of the original foods, got them back to how they were before the sort of green revolution, all the agriculture chemicals, and then it would be delicious and it would be healthy. And that's what traditional food is. That's why it's so amazing. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Swan. Today's episode is a really, really fascinating one. It was really fun for me to record because my guest, Steven, and I, we have very similar philosophies when it comes to our diets. And he also explains a lot of these modern issues that we're dealing with right now with health in a very relatable way. He really makes it make sense. He is the founder of Masa Chips, which you guys will learn more about in the episode. But basically, he created these tortilla chips just out of organic corn, grass-fed beef tallow, and salt. And let me tell you guys, these chips are incredible. I'm going to eat one. I'm going to give you guys a little chip ASMR just so you can hear the crunch. Oh my God. This is how chips are supposed to be. They're crunchy. They don't disintegrate when you dip them into guac or whatever dips you want to be eating them with. And they actually really taste good, unlike a lot of these other alternative foods. And we talk about that. So we get into swapping out more traditional foods for these like, quote unquote, healthier, more processed foods. We dive into that. We talk about seed oils and why he uses beef tallow instead of seed oils like most other tortilla chips, like pretty much every tortilla chip on the shelf besides his are made with canola oil or soybean oil or corn oil. So we dive into that. We really get into why PUFAs, which are polyunsaturated fatty acids, why those are not good for you, what the deal is with avocado oil, is it actually healthy for us, what we should be eating. We also talk about sunlight and what he feels about sunscreen and Do we actually burn if we eat more seed oils? Is that what's causing sunburns? This is a super informative episode. It was really fun for us to record. I had a great time talking with Steven and I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get into the episode, please stay tuned to the very, very end because we are going to give you a discount code if you guys want to try Masa Chips. You can go to their website and find out where they sell them near you or you can definitely, of course, order them online, use the code, you're going to save a little bit of money. And of course, as always, if you guys are loving and enjoying the podcast, if you could just take a moment to rate and review, it would mean so much to me. It really helps the show. With that, let's get in with Steven. Did you know that you may not be getting all the beneficial probiotic bacteria from some of your favorite fermented foods? For example, kombucha, kimchi, sauerkraut. Unfortunately, a lot of these probiotics and the good bacteria in these foods don't always survive the trip to your gut. This is why in addition to eating those very healthy and nutritious foods, I also like to take a probiotic like seed. And the reason I really like seed is because unfortunately, not all probiotics are created equal. A lot of probiotics on the shelf also do not actually make it to your gut. So it's incredibly important that you're getting a good high quality probiotic. Otherwise, 
those probiotics are going to be burnt up in your stomach acid and never actually repopulate your colon. That bacteria has a lot of stuff it has to get through. Digestive acids, bile salts, and enzymes. This is why I really like Seeds DS01 Daily Symbiotic. It's nested in a capsule delivery technology that ensures precision entry through the small intestine to your colon. So that's the main reason that I love Seed. And then of course, also because it is a highly effective probiotic. It's a broad spectrum, two-in-one plant-based prebiotic and 24 strain probiotic. They have a proprietary formulation of 24 distinct probiotic strains in scientifically studied dosages. And the systemic benefits go so above and beyond the gut. You know, I talk about this quite often on the podcast, but our gut health determines pretty much everything. Everything starts in the gut. Things from psoriasis to eczema to constipation, anxiety, depression, mood disorders, all of this stuff is linked you guys. Even probiotics can help with constipation, diarrhea. When I was in college, I used to struggle with yeast infections and guess what got rid of the yeast infections? Taking your probiotic. So this is serious stuff for your health guys. And I love seed. It is well-backed, scientifically studied. I also have a podcast with the founder if you guys want to go back and listen to that and hear about what makes seed truly stand out above the rest. Some of the other benefits, according to Seed themselves, it helps with GI function, skin health, heart health, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, and micronutrient synthesis of vitamins B9 and B12, meaning it's going to give you more energy too. And you may see improvements in digestion within 24 to 48 hours, which can include bowel movement regularity and eased bloating. And let me tell you guys, as someone who's been struggling with bloating a lot recently, I'm so excited to get back on my seed regimen because I really think this is going to help a lot. Also, can we just talk about their packaging for a second? As someone who is really concerned about all the plastic in our landfill, I am so obsessed with their sustainable monthly refill system. They give you a glass jar and a little mini travel jar as well. And then every month you keep that jar and they send your new refillable supplements in a compostable bio-based pouch that you pour into that jar and this paper is made from algae that would otherwise damage fragile marine ecosystems. So all around, you can feel really good about purchasing seed probiotics because you are also helping to offset all the plastic and all the waste that we have in our landfills. So if you guys want to try seed probiotics today, please go to seed.com slash realfoodology and use code realfoodology to redeem 30% off your first month of seeds DSN01 Daily Symbiotic. Again, that's seed, S-E-E-D.com slash Real Foodology and make sure to use code Real Foodology. Steven, let's just like dive into this. I'm so yeah. excited to have you on. Great. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, it's going to be fun. I know. So before we started recording, Steven and I were talking about, well, his chips. Um, I initially found them in Air One. It's a brand called Masa, and I'll let you tell people more about them. But basically, they're organic corn, sea salt, and they're fried in beef tallow. And oh, I yeah. want to know why beef tallow. Tell my audience why. Okay. Why beef tallow? So if you want to deep fry something, you have a few options. You got coconut oil, you got avocado oil, you obviously have seed oils, and then uh, you have olive oil. That's like all the oils there are. So uh, seed oils are out because they're seed oils, obviously. Coconut oil, we tried. Avocado oil, we tried. Um, when you fry stuff in plant oils, usually it comes out way too greasy. And mm. so it's ironic you'd think, oh, the animal fat is like greasier. Um, but no, the plant oils are greasier, crazily enough. Um, wow. And I feel like yeah. with the plant oils, though, chips like break so easily. I don't want to. Yeah. Wanna... 
it's just it's just not meant for it, you know. Like people are not out there in Polynesia like deep frying stuff in coconut oil. Like that's not a thing. Um, yeah. And then avocado oil too is like it's an option, but most avocado oil on the market is fake. Um, it's because the avocados are all grown by uh, drug cartel owned farms in Mexico, and so they have very um. little supply chain transparency. They have they have zero incentive to like make an authentic product. So yeah, there's a study done by USC San Diego, I think. 82% of the avocado oil they could buy on the on the supermarket shelves. Like 82% of the brands were fake. Um, either laced with seed oils or like already rancid. Um, and then this is, That's you know, so distressing. Uh, and it's well, even wor- it's even oh, worse. Sorry. Last fun fact. Yeah, because where does avocado oil come from? It comes from rotten avocados. Avocados are expensive. Like millennials will pay a lot of money for avocados if they're fresh, but a lot of avocados go bad in the supply chain. So what do you do with bad avocados? Well, you turn into avocado oil. So yeah, it's super sus. Oh my God. Okay, so I'd never heard that before. I heard about the cutting and that's what I was going to ask you about because assuming that most of my listeners have heard this before, but I want to drop this just in case that they haven't, this is a really huge problem with olive oil too. And it's absolutely. Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing. Like they're in, you know, 60 minutes did a whole like Mm -hmm. segment on this. So it's definitely not a conspiracy. What's happening is a lot of these companies are cutting with seed oils, like canola, soybean, whatever you have it. And then marketing it as olive oil. And I more recently have found this out about avocado oil. So Mm -hmm. for people listening that are like, Oh my God, what do I do? How do you find, do you know how to find like a good clean avocado oil? If that's what you want? I personally don't know how to find a good clean avocado oil. I think the study that did this investigation? They published the brands that were like okay, um, so you could look at that. Um, and and remember, this is like the brands on the shelves. Imagine like what you're getting when you're buying in industrial quantities. Like that's never the highest quality item, right? Because the highest quality so always goes to, to retail. Uh, but yeah, so you got the drug cartels in Mexico lacing avocado oil. You got the mafia in Italy lacing olive oil. Um, so those yep. are those are out. Um, and then also, yeah, you shouldn't really f- fry in plant oils for the reasons I already described. So that leaves tallow. And guess what? Tallow is like the OG frying oil. If you've ever been to Belgium and eaten the Belgian fries, like they invented French fries. Like that's the, the most famous French fries in the world. Um, and they're fried in tallow. Like that's why they're so good. McDonald's used to fry in tallow up until the 90s. Um, so, so yeah, that's, and, and, and figuring all this stuff out, like when I wanted to make the chips, I was like, okay, we have to do tallow. Like that's, that's the, the right way to do it. The other benefit to tallow is that a lot of it goes, uh, it's wasted in the current supply chain. So like people talk about nose to tail eating and whatever. Well, there's a lot of beef fat that farmers like many times pay to get rid of. Like it, it's, you know, trash product. Um, they can't do anything with it. And so you have farmers who are trying to do pasture raise. They have, uh, you know, they're trying to get the most money per animal. And so now we have a use for tallow, which is great. So there's a whole host of, of benefits to it. I mean, they also taste amazing. And the last thing is, uh, the plant oils are also not nutrient dense. So yeah, some of them are more saturated, some of them are better than others, but only the animal fats have vitamin A, vitamin K, vitamin D, um, conjugated linoleic acid, like CLA, all these things. So so tallow is really the good choice, but it was definitely a pain making that decision because of production. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how did you how did you even come up with this in the first place? I want people to hear your your founding story. What oh, happened? nice. Nice. Well, so I, I, I've been involved and obsessed with health for almost 10 years at this point. Um, and so seed oils were one of the, the more recent things that I like really, you know, stumbled upon is like, okay, this is, this is super terrible. Uh, that must have been, you know, over two and a half years ago at this point. And so the last food that I willingly ate 
that had seed oils in it was tortilla chips because mm-hmm. they're just so good. You know, yeah. it's not like obviously it's like a snack food. It's like chips or snacks, but like the way that you can use tortilla chips, like that's part of a healthy diet because I need um, I'm busy, whatever I need lunch, I'll put cheese and meat, like some salsa on tortilla chips, and like that's like, that's a good meal right there. It's gluten free. Um, it's pretty and digestible. Nothing- and nothing will ever replace what you dip in a guacamole. I'm sorry. No, you can no. try to Carrots, do cucumbers. Yeah, it cucumbers, doesn't work. <laughs> crackers, doesn't even. Work. get the hell out of here. No, it yeah, needs get to be out tortilla of here. chip. Yeah. So, so yeah, they. it's just like they were too good. And I was getting like the organic tortilla chips made with organic canola oil, which is like a joke. And so at, at one point I was just like, this is enough is enough. I, I can't be in good conscience eating seed oils anymore. So I stopped eating the tortilla chips. And then about um, about six months later or so, I was in Miami with one of my friends or a few of my friends for a New Year's trip. And one of them was like eating like takeout seed oil, taco, nacho, whatever the hell. Um, And he's just sitting across the room. He's not into health. And I was just like glaring at him like, dude, what are you like doing? Eating your engine lubricant over there. And he's like, what? Come on. It's like, it's just chips. They're delicious. And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. They taste good. But like you're poisoning yourself, and then and then the classic retort. I'm sure you've heard this a million times. Well, you know, I'd rather enjoy my life than be healthy and miserable like you. You know, classic, classic. And I'm sitting daily. here like, like no, you don't get it. Like, dude, I eat food on a daily basis that's like better than anything you've ever tasted. Uh, I get, I eat raw milk, raw milk ice cream. You know, my mm-hmm. grass fed ribeyes, my potatoes and butter, honey. You know, organic seasonal berries. Uh, or like organic citrus fruits, like uh, cheese. You know, I, I like how how is that an unpleasurable life? And so most people don't know this. That's the thing. So and, and he didn't know this because like and you know our culture has this idea that it's either or, it's health or taste. You can't have both. And so I started explaining to this same thing to him, same thing about tortilla chips. Like no, you could have a good tortilla chip, and I you know I'd make organic corn, I'd fry it in tallow. I, I explained all the hypotheticals, and then he was like, well, why don't you go make them yourself? And then I'm like, boom, okay, maybe I will. And then that was that was that was it. Then we that's my co-founder actually today. Um, and so wow. then then we you know that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. We left Miami, and it was like a sort of fun little you know friends are going to start a startup kind of side project like in the back of our heads. And then over the next few months, we just gathered more and more intel, uh, got more serious about it. Uh, we found someone to do the brand art, which you know. You've seen the I mean, bag. it's fire. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, this is how I first found it at Air One. It's because I just saw like rows and rows. I mean, we were talking about this. There was like a wall of them at Air One. And yeah. I was like, that is, not only was there a wall of them, but it's mm. such beautiful branding. It's very and nice. And I'm a cool. sucker. I'm a sucker for branding. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, you know, don't just book by its cover, but no, like do, you know, it's, do it. it means something. So, um, so that branding, when I first saw the packaging design, I was like, okay, there's no way we can't do this now. Because up until that point, it was like, ah, you know, maybe it'll like, happen. Maybe. Yeah. But once we saw it, it was like, this must enter reality. And so then, then we, you know, tried to find a manufacturer to make it for us. Which is, if people aren't familiar, this is exactly what every CPG brand does. You know, you have a brand, you have an idea, and you go try to find a, a co-manufacturer, what they're called, to like go make it for you. Um, basically, all the food in the country is produced by like maybe a few hundred factories. Like that's that's how it works. No one wanted to touch it because of the tallow. And so people were like, well, what if you use coconut oil? What if you use avocado oil? And I was like, no, we're not doing that. Because I had made a prototype with tallow and they were just amazing. I'm like, I'm not compromising on this. Um, so we then had to figure out how to make it ourselves. And we started in like a rinky-dink little commissary kitchen uh, with the, you know, 
a deep like a, a restaurant deep fryer and our tallow and our tortillas and um just grew from there and we're still making it ourselves today actually uh little, oh really little, little known facts yeah like I was so, at the factory this morning so are you but are you still do you have a co-manufacturer it, no, that, that's, no we're you still just have doing your own factory. it we you know it, we've upgraded we have like an entire like very big like nice kitchen um it's really cool it's in this old office building I, I find it very ironic the office building was uh formerly occupied by Merck the pharmaceutical oh, company wow. <laughs> That's incredible. So we have an old Merck office building. We have the cafeteria, like the, where they used to like have lunch for the people in the office before you know remote work was a thing. Um, it was loaded with seed oils, I'm sure. Yeah, lunch. we it's all it's all our new equipment. You know, we, yeah, we yeah, brought yeah. in we brought in bigger fryers, but yeah, no, it's still like a basket and like a bunch of guys like, with baskets and like a salt shaker, like putting it in bags and like with wow. a, a sealing machine by hand, and like we ship it out by it's all it's all done by hand. And so when people are like, "Oh, masses are expensive," and I'm like, well, yeah, because I have like 12 employees that I have to pay living wages to <laughs> who have to make these chips. Um, yeah, well, and I also tell people too that, yeah, I mean, that's expensive, but you know what's even more expensive? Surgery, medication <laughs> for the rest of your life, yeah. constant doctor bills. Doctors, I mean, yeah, like like people, like the amount of money people spend on medical bills, like, blows my mind. Like I would be bankrupt if I had those, if I had like the average Americans like medical bills. Like I think the Me average too. American spends 12K, uh, 12 to 13K on medical bills in a year. That's like average. My medical bills are, I mean, zero. zero. I mean, I, when I had like health insurance at my last job, I would go for my annual checkup, but I don't have that I don't, I don't do that anymore. So it's, it's like zero. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. But that's what I always tell people. I'm like, you can either pay for it now or you pay for it later, not only in your health and your energy and your mental health, but way more like astronomically more in your wallet too. Yeah. And it's like, people only seem to care about money, but it's like, what about you like enjoying and like having a good life for the 50, for the 80 years that you're going to be around, you know? Okay. We can like get an Excel spreadsheet and do the budget all we want. But if like, you're going to be miserable and like overweight and like unhappy and like bad skin or whatever, whatever your health problem is. Like, is that worth money? You know? And some people, I guess it is, but you know, I, that seems crazy to me. I know. I agree. And like, what do you not want to have energy to go up about your day? I also, right. I also have this mentality too of like, when you feel better in your body, you obviously have more energy. So you're going to make more money because you're going <laughs> to show up better for your job. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Like, you can't, like, you can't perform at a high level. I mean, most people, I imagine most people listening to this probably make money because of their brain. Like whether it's exactly. marketing or finance or whatever, like their brain is what allows them to make money. And if your brain is jammed up with seed oils and arsenic, like we were just talking about, cassava is high in arsenic. Um, if your if your brain is full with full of these toxins, like how are you going to like perform at a level where you can like actually provide for yourself? Exactly. That's why like it pays off to put more money into your food now, you know? And okay. So I want to go into that a little bit because that actually blew my mind. So we were, before we were recording, we were talking about cassava. I was telling Steven that I have more recently discovered that for a lot of people, apparently cassava causes your glucose to really spike like crazy high. I have a girlfriend that was wearing a glucose monitor and she shared her results yesterday and her blood levels, her blood glucose levels went up to 196 after eating cassava. That's insane. That's, that's insane. insane. Yeah. That's like that's, crazy. Yeah. That's wild. Like I, okay. So if anyone's listening to this and has a CGM like, and wants to, you know, dedicate their body to science, please, please do this. I've, I've heard a few reports and I've seen some screenshots, but it'd be great to like see more. Um, 
someone ate masa. This is like two weeks after we launched, and someone was eating masa. They had a CGM and they posted a screenshot of their levels after they ate a bag, a whole bag, and it was like it was like flat, like it wasn't like a noticeable thing. And so, oh my god, I think awesome. I mean so obviously you have the carbs from corn, but you also have like a lot of saturated fat, which as we know prevents like the the spiking of blood sugar that would be due to the to, to the sugar carbs. Um, so that combination like it works, and and yeah, I mean cassava, I've never felt good eating it personally. Like I tried the whole cassava pasta that there's that one brand that has like cassava pasta. It like tastes good. It's like oh, all yeah, right, jovial. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good enough. But like, and I made mac and cheese, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna be you know, eat my cassava pasta, the cassava chips, the cassava strips fried in avocado oil. That's the thing too. Yeah, but it always tortillas. like made my digestive. Uh, my digestion like worse, and I'm like, this is like this is, and then you look into cassava, it's like ground up powderized flour from this plant in Southeast Asia that like I'm just guessing that most of the people listening to this, their ancestors have never even seen a cassava, you know, in their entire like they're the first person yeah. in ten thousand generations to ever encounter that food. Like, okay, so you're telling me that's like paleo and like that's healthy. It's like ancestral eating. What about your ancestors? You know, um, so it's just like. I think what happened is people for you know the 20th century food just became so junk. The potato chips, the corn chips, the french fries, the candy, the bread, whatever it was, like the foods that are recognizable became such junk that people were like, okay, everything about those foods is bad. Like everything. So don't eat bread, don't eat gluten, don't eat uh, saturated fats was the thing back then. Uh, you know, pesticides are bad. So don't eat pesticides. Corn's bad. Don't eat corn. Don't eat any of this. But then what they ended up doing was they just swapped out one version of processed foods or another version of processed foods. Although this version of processed foods like comes from like Latin America and has exotic names or like comes from Southeast Asia and it's like, oh, it's coconut so it must oil. Be good. Oh, it's chia seeds. Like, oh, so it must be good. And it's like, dude, it, like what you have to do to these foods to like even attempt to recreate the effect that you had, like for bread, for example, what you have to do to an almond, like ungodly things to an almond to make a cookie that like even resembles half of like an actual cookie made with like real flour, you know? So you just swapped out one version of processed foods for another version of processed foods that taste way worse. When we could have just fixed the quality of the original foods, got them back to how they were before the sort of green revolution, all the agriculture chemicals and the, and the additives and stuff. And then it would be delicious and it would be healthy. But and that's what traditional food is. That's why it's so amazing. Like people kept traditional recipes alive over generations because they had value. Just like, you know, you think about all the old books, it's like a common thing. All the old why are all the old books so good? Well, because monks in monasteries for thousands of years manually had to copy books. So they would only spend their time copying the books that were good. It's the same thing with recipes. Only the recipes that are good get passed down generation after generation, and they're good because they satisfy us, like on a psychological, like you know, dopamine sense, because they taste good. But they're nutritionally supportive, so that's why traditional recipes are so good. We have the best recipes available to us, and then we just threw them all out in the trash, and we're eating like ungodly cassava abominations. So, so that's the whole ingredient. That's the whole food philosophy that masa is just like the tip of the iceberg with um, for for our company, but also just like in general, you know, like. Eat sourdough bread, eat raw milk, eat ice cream, you know, all these things with real ingredients. I I love that so much. You and I are on the exact same page. We have very similar philo philosophies. I always tell people, anyone that feels confused about what to eat, I'm like, look back to the all the foods that we've been eating forever. Mm -hmm. You know, like what did our ancestors really eat? What are the foods that have been um, most, most people have had, um, you know, access to for the majority of our time on this planet. And what mm. would that be? Milk, cheese, eggs, beef, you know, animal oh, yeah. foods, animal fats, corn, 
a lot of people had access to corn. Yeah, you know, like thousands and so, of years. So I mean, exactly. And and some people will make the argument, and sure, like it's somewhat valid that like corn is and grains in general have have been cultivated for less time than animal foods, and they're certainly correct. But that's like a saying that we shouldn't eat that is to say that humans have not evolved in the past 10, 15,000 years. And we clearly, clearly have. Like the very ability for like certain people to digest lactose and other people to not shows that evolution has happened in the past so many thousands of years. Um, well, actually, but the, the sorry to interrupt you, but the argument with the lactose again comes back to also another thing that I say often is it's what has been done to the food. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we were drinking raw milk and if you're not pasteurizing and homogenizing it and taking out all those amazing enzymes that allow our body to actually digest the lactose, mm -hmm. then of course, like you can digest it. But what we're doing is we're completely processing it. We're heating it up so high that it has no nutrients, no vitamins and no enzymes left in there. Right. And so then it's affecting our bodies in different ways. Like when we mess with nature and what we're given, it's not going to have the same effect on our body. Yeah. Yeah. Like the milk thing is very interesting because, like, because of the probiotics and the bacteria in milk, they'll digest it for you if you exactly. build up those probiotics over time. So there are people who do have genetically produce, like, a genetic mutation that allows them to produce lactase. So they, it's like double lactose tolerance. But there are plenty of people, like, the Mongols are a great example. Like, East Asians don't have that gene, but the Mongols drink a ton of raw milk. Like, that's been their thing for centuries. And so they're still able to digest it even without that gene because their gut microbiome has the the proper bacteria to be able to do it. So lactose for sure, like anyone can become lactose tolerant provided you're eating the the right milk. Um, so so yeah, that's milk is yeah. a great food. But like the grains too, it's a fun one. I mean, people like to rail on seeds a lot, seeds and grains. I mean, myself included. Um, of all the foods that are seeds, which there are many, nuts, legumes, beans, pumpkin seeds, like actual seeds, like grains. Um, the seeds being like the 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 strains and the species of these uh, of seeds that were cultivated for human consumption they became more digestible over the generations of like cultivation you know so if you think back 5000 years ago the aztecs eating corn like corn was you know bread to be more digestible and there's a lot of these modern sort of seeds that people are obsessed with that humans didn't really ever eat but because it's not a grain, and grain is like a dirty word, we eat them, and they're way more inflammatory. They have way more anti nutrients. They have way more. Uh, they have much higher PUFA content. Um, so they're much more inflammatory. And because I guess there was a big grain scare like ten to fifteen years ago, people don't like them. People don't like grains, and they eat the seeds instead. But it's like if you're going to eat a food, why would you not want to eat the food that's like the version of it that's been most like bred to be digestible and prepared to be digestible? Why would you want to eat the one that's like growing out in the wilds? Because those like ninety, you know, ninety nine percent of plant matter is indigestible. You're gonna want to eat the one percent that is, and it is that way because humans cultivated it. So it's like that's why you'd want to eat those things. Wow, that's such a great point. But you know what I was also thinking about too? There's such a fine line, right, of like creating these foods that are more digestible and we can evolve with them. And then I was thinking alternatively of what we've done to corn specifically here in the United States, yeah. where over 90% of it is genetically modified and Roundup yeah. ready, meaning that has Roundup in the seed. So like you have to be careful. You have to be really educated as a consumer. You don't want to... So, so the, the operating principle here is that like it occurs like over time consistent with like an evolutionary process. Like yeah. corn being what it is, like the, the amount of change that corn underwent from like 5000 years ago to like 1950 is like nothing in comparison to what 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 it's gone through since 1950 with genetic engineering to the present day. So it's like 
that's crazy. Like that type of process is crazy because it's it's definitionally is not fit for us because we you know how many generations have there been of humans since the genetic engineering of corn? Like not enough time not for any sort of evolution to have occurred. Like maybe two, one, maybe, one and maybe a half. Two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. over the five thousand years, like bread, for example, over the five thousand years, five. 10,000, no, it's like 8,000 years of like bread in the, in the Middle East and then into Europe. That's a lot of generations. So, so yeah, there's like this balance that you want to strike between like modern hybridization and weird, you know, fiddling that's like bad, but also like a thousand, thousand year long process of like good, right? Like the animals too, people, it's very funny. People will say, oh, eat wild foods. And then you'll see those things like those memes on Instagram where it's like, this is what a banana looks like. This is what a strawberry looks like. And it's like, they look terrible and completely unappetizing. And it's like, yeah, okay, those are domesticated foods. Congratulations. What about the animals you eat? How many of you people are eating wild hunted deer or elk that you caught yourself? You know, so true. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? How many, how many people who are drinking raw milk are going out and trying to capture like a gazelle and milk it, <laughs> you know? Like cows don't exist. Like cows are fake animals in the same way that like corn or like the strawberries are like fake. Like we bred them for the purpose of nourishing us. Um, yeah. It just so happens that humans in the past did that process more wisely than the humans do today. And thus, you know, the modern, like the very contemporary creations, like say in any of the food that's been modified after like 1950 or maybe just the 20th century, keep it easy. That's very questionable. But before that, like it's great, you know, more nutrients, like more, more quantity. Like, great. That's awesome. Let's do that. I've been consuming collagen for about six years now. I like to put it in my morning drink, whether that's coffee or matcha. I usually prefer coffee, but lately I've actually been doing coffee and then having a matcha a little bit later. I love to mix the collagen in with my nut milk that I put in my coffee. It's usually almond milk or coconut milk. And I'm so excited to announce that Organifi has their own collagen now. As with all Organifi products, it's glyphosate residue free, really high quality. It has hydrolyzed bovine hide collagen peptides that are derived from pasture raised cows. It also has eggshell membrane collagen. It's taken from the thin layer between the egg and the shell. And this is collagen rich and it may be beneficial for strong joint health. It also has hydrolyzed fish collagen peptides derived from wild caught fish. Because this collagen source is of a small particle size, it makes it easier to digest and more absorbable. And then there's also chicken bone broth protein concentrate in there. This collagen type is actually found in your gut, joints, and cartilage, and it helps support greater health both inside and out. Collagen is really good for lubricating the joints. It's also great for healing and sealing the gut. Often now, because of our diets, people are dealing with leaky gut syndrome, and collagen actually goes in there and helps to seal the gut. So if you're having any sort of leaky gut syndrome symptoms, collagen may be your best bet. It's also great for just replenishing collagen stores that diminish as we age and may help with wrinkles and keeping supple skin because collagen also is what keeps our skin elastic. So this is why I consume collagen. I love Organifi. I love all of their products. If you guys want to try any of the Organifi products for 20% off, you can use code RealFoodology or go to Organifi.com slash RealFoodology. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash RealFoodology. Looking to build a more robust foundation in your health and well-being? From the producer of the Real Foodology podcast comes one of the most popular alternative health shows on Apple Podcasts. The Dr. Tina Show. 
Dr. Tina Moore is a naturopathic physician and chiropractor, traditionally and alternatively trained in science and medicine. The show features exclusive interviews with experts such as Sean Stevenson, Mike Mutzel, Mark Groves, and even solo episodes covering metabolic health, pharmaceuticals, chronic diseases, long-hauler syndrome, and pain management. Dr. Tina delivers the information in a no-nonsense, real-world style, and she has the science to back it up. The Dr. Tina Show is edgy, entertaining, and informative. Every episode will leave you with a new pearl of health wisdom to expand your knowledge base. When you're empowered, you can do better for yourself, your family, and your community. Resilience is the name of the game, and Dr. Tina is here to guide you on your way. Listen to The Dr. Tina Show today on your favorite podcast app. New episodes every Wednesday. Produced by Drake Peterson and Resident Media. So is that one of the reasons why you chose corn specifically for your chips? I want to ask you that too, because I know like as we're talking about this, obviously a lot of people have an issue with grains. A lot of people are really against corn. I'm okay with it with corn if it's organic, which I know you use organic corn. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, very, very simply, tortilla chips are made of corn. Like, shoot me. <laughs> like, it's true. It's true. It's like you can't have if if it's not made of corn, it's not a tortilla chip. It's something else. Maybe it's a cracker or whatever, but it's not a tortilla chip. Like there's no substitute for corn in that in that recipe that could ever be as satisfying like and fit as well with the recipes and the ways in which you consume it. Um as anyone who's tried alternative alternative quote unquote tortilla chips brands who I will not name uh will know. It's just we know. inherently, we know, it's inherently unsatisfying. Um, so I also, the other thing about corn is that there's a very uh, historical process for preparing it in a way that makes it more digestible. So the other, the other thing about like digestibility of like grains in particular in history is that not only do we have the cultivation of them for this purpose, we also have uh, traditional methods that like rose up in order to address this digestibility problem to prepare them in a way that's like fit for humans to eat. Sourdough bread is probably the most famous example of this. Um, you know, you ferment it with bacteria and yeast that like they literally reduce the gluten, uh, they reduce the phytate, the phytates and the phytic acid, and they make it more digestible. And then, you know, everyone who I'm sure you have many friends who will tell you, oh, I went to Italy and I just ate the bread and I felt great. You know, I lost weight. You know, that that's happening because bread yeah. is made the right way. So corn has a similar process. Um, it doesn't involve bacteria, but it involves like boiling it with uh, basically limestone. Um, this is called nixtamalization. It's on the back of the bag. It's like that big word that everyone always asks me what it means. And so the Aztecs invented this like thousands of years ago. And by boiling it with limestone, it um, it gets rid of the very indigestible outer shell. Like when you eat corn on the cob and you like poop and there's corn shells in the toilet, nixtamalization gets rid of that. And it also makes uh, certain nutrients um, more bioavailable. So, like vitamin B three is more bioavailable. And there's other this other thing with like magnesium, where if you eat raw corn, you eat too much of it, um, your your body's ability to absorb magnesium will diminish. Um, so there's also like mycotoxins that end up in in raw corn that are eliminated through the process of nixtamalization. Uh, so yeah, doing that makes it very digestible and it also makes it taste good. And so we have this traditional process, this traditional ingredient um, in a traditional recipe and you know there's no substitute for it. Like their potato chips are great, crackers are great, but like when you need a corn chip, you need a corn chip, you know. Let me tell you as someone who grew up in San Antonio, Texas, which um, <laughs> I think there are there's more Mexican food restaurants than like there are any other food. Um, 
And so I grew up on like pretty traditional, you know, like Tex-Mex and like traditional Mexican food. And I told you this when I met you, Mm. these chips taste like those like legit, like I would go to these like hole in the wall Mexican food restaurants where you know that they're using lard and like legit real old recipes. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what they taste like. Not only that, not only are they like, uncompromised in taste out of anything else I've ever tried. They don't break when you dip them in stuff. Some of these other chip alternatives that we were, you know, (laughs) we're not going to name. You can't even dip them in anything because they just like disintegrate in in the dip. I usually end up getting like a spoon with the chip and I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. These don't break. They're incredible. You did such a good job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's... Anyone from San Antonio or anyone who like, so for example, one of the, for a few weeks after I started, I got a, a similar uh, remark from someone who's like grandma's, like from a small town in Mexico. And he's like, hey, my grandma, like when she makes tortilla chips, she makes them with lard and like these tastes like that. And I'm like, that's an amazing compliment right there. Yeah. So it's like, if you think about the perfect version of something, right, there's like the actual thing and then there's like the perfect version that it could be like this is the perfect version of a tortilla chip. Like that's I would just, agree. That's yeah. what it, that's like every box was checked um very deliberately of course because I'm not going to like spend my effort making things that are like not as good as they could possibly be. Um and I think that's that's also something that a lot of quote unquote health food suffer from. It's like they'll do one or two things like right. They're like, "Oh, our cheese is like regenerative or our this ingredient is organic and it's like bro what about all these other five things that you're not doing right mm-hmm. um like who's i'm not paying for i'm not paying for this like i'm either getting perfect or i'm not going to eat it at all you know if i don't if i don't have mas chips i'm not eating tortilla chips right i'll 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 do something else you know i'll figure it out um so so yeah you really have to make sure that every single box is is checked and i think we did a good job doing that with with this product yeah, you really did. You know what else is uh, really cool about these chips? And we've also talked about this. They really fill you up. So one of the issues mm. that I've had, like when I go to like a Mexican food restaurant, I mean, everyone knows this. You go and you sit and you eat all the chips and salsa and you just feel like you can eat like two full like baskets of yeah, them. Yeah, like you the know? chilies and they're very thin. So you can yeah. just eat a million. You just like house them, you know? Yeah. And these, like I can't even, like I couldn't even eat them all. Like I couldn't even eat a whole bag if I tried because they really nice. fill you up and satisfy you, yeah. which is something like from a nutritionist standpoint, I'm like, this is what you want from your food. You want something that's really satisfying and filling that will keep you full for a longer yeah. period of time. Yeah. Because that's how you you manage your blood glucose levels. You mentioned earlier that this doesn't make your glucose spike. So you're not going to crash and like crave mm-hmm. more sugar later. It's really, I mean, an ideal situation. Yeah, I think people look at the our nutrition label and be like, oh, it's the same calories as any other tortilla chip. And that's true. But other tortilla chips, you'll eat 20 of them and want 20 more. But these, you know, you'll eat 20 of them and that's good. That's it. Exactly. Um, and then and I'm so cool. people who are like, I'm, I'm sure many of your listeners are like mindful of their caloric intake, right? You want to minimize, you want to, re- if you want to reduce your calories, you want to do it in a way that doesn't leave you feeling starving and then like prone to binging, you know, late at night when your willpower is weak and, you know, whatever. Um, exactly. So you want to be full on fewer calories. This is the way to do it. And there's a very simple explanation for this, um, which is one of the things that really blew my mind when I was initially doing all my research on seed oils a few years ago, like polyunsaturated fats, like in seed oils, don't trigger your cells like fullness receptors. Like your cells will not emit the fullness hormones when you eat polyunsaturated fats. Like there's a there's a great lecture on YouTube about this if people are interested by Michael Eads, but I'll try to summarize as best as I can. Basically, 
your cells can eat an infinite amount of glucose because you can convert it very easily to or convert it to ATP, energy, whatever. But it's not that stored. Yeah, it's not yeah. that energy dense. So, like, you know, this is why you can drink an entire sweet tea or like half a bottle of Coke or something. You can just down calories of sugar. It's very easy to do that. Um, but fats are more calorie dense per gram than sugar, like almost twice, twice as calorie dense. Um, so, if you eat fat, your cells will see fat coming in and they'll be like, oh, this is a lot of energy. We don't need all this much. Like, once we get enough, we're good. So, they, they send out, you know, the fullness hormones. Seed oils, are a fat, so they're just as calorie dense as fats are, as all fats are. But they have the same way of triggering fullness hormones that glucose has, which is to say, they don't. So, like your body looks at it as if it's sugar, but it's twice the calories that it thinks it is. So, because they're like inherently unnatural, like our body is not designed to like recognize that, and so you end up eating more. And and one of the a cool study um, on this was like they fed a bunch of kids a carb plus a fat combination. And they were like, "Hey, just eat as much as you want until you're full. Just you know, do it up." And then they like measured the amount of calories that they ended up eating. And so when the carb plus fat, when the fat was a saturated fat, there was like three or four hundred fewer calories that they ate than the uh, seed oil plus carb combination. So it's like this that's is this is real. Like you eat it, you're full. Like we're not making this up here. <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. I've never even heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, I just assumed because uh, it was a higher quality, you know, more nutrient dense fat. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, so l- interesting. L- little known fact about saturated fats. Yeah, the lecture by yeah, I, this is this is one of the greatest like things I've ever seen about this because most people know about seed oils. It's inflammation, oxidation, right? It's bad for your skin, IBS, blah blah blah, which is all very true. But there's this additional fact about it in the way that it affects your metabolism, and so this is why you have all the insulin wackiness going on with seed oils because you're eating all these calories, but your body thinks it's sugar. So, like, it messes up that natural, you know, calorie regulation system. So that affects your insulin, and then your insulin resistance. And so this is why people will still have diabetes or whatever the symptoms when they don't eat sugar because it's not the sugar that's messing with you; it's the seed oils messing with you. Can we talk about that more? Because I know, so I've done a couple of episodes on it, but just in case, I want to give people a little bit of a refresher because I also really like your um, your viewpoint on this. Why are seed oils so bad? And can we name them for people so they know? And oh. like, what is the deal with the PUFAs, with the polyunsaturated fatty acids? 100% we can name them. I actually wrote a Substack on this because people kept asking me. Yes. So now I, I can pull it up so I don't do it from memory. Um, yeah, because I get so many DMs from people. Um, a lot of people are still really confused on seed oils. And so I think, yeah. you know, repetition, we need to, people need to yeah. keep hearing it. Because, because seed oils aren't, like, they don't call themselves seed oils. That's like the the sort of tricky thing about them. Exactly. Um, they either are called vegetable oil or like they have the name of the actual seed. So the seed oils, the industrial seed oils, there's nine of them um, that you'll find in common places. So soybean oil, canola oil, corn oil. Um, also, canola oil, for the uh, for the record, is also called rapeseed rape oil. Um, especially, yeah, delicious. Let's, let's have some of that. Yum. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, they call that it, they call it that in like Europe a lot of the mm-hmm. time. Um, but so canola oil, a lot of it comes from Canada, and so canola is not a plant. Canola is a portmanteau of Canada and oil. So can you know it's oil. Canada? Yeah. Do you know it's Cana- uh, Canada low acid oil? Oh, I didn't you know, know that? that. Cuz oh, they messed with it cuz it was really high in I'm going to mess this up. Erucic, erucic acid. Erucic acid. And so oh, they yeah. they modified it to bring it down and that's why they it's called Canadian low acid oil. Interesting. 
That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So canola sounds a lot better than like than rapeseed. You know, <laughs> but if you think about it, it's like canola. This sounds like something you'd find in an automotive shop, right? Like yeah. can oil, you know. Anyway, soybean oil, canola it's an oil. oil. Corn oil, which is going to sound interesting because we're talking about corn. I'll get to that in a minute. Cottonseed oil. Well, guess what? Cotton's not food. Uh, sunflower oil. Um, safflower oil. Grapeseed oil. So grapes. Um, and that's that was often considered like higher end. Like if you go to like William Sonoma, they'll have like grapeseed oil in like a fancy bottle, and it's like ooh, grapeseed. So oil. true. Anyway, pe- peanut oil, which is <laughs> ar- arguably the quote unquote best of the seed oils because it's the lowest in PUFA. So peanut oil, sorry, still from seed, peanuts are seeds. And then a rice yeah. bran oil, which I've seen on sort of like high-end, homemade, like, you know, house-made tortilla chips before. Um, yeah. And yeah, so so those are the oils. So once again, for the record, uh, soybean, canola, corn, cottonseed, sunflower, safflower, grapeseed, peanut, and rice bran oil. Um, and the reason why they're they're bad is is there's there's two things. All these come from an industrial process, meaning like if I sent you back in a time machine 200 years ago, like no one on earth could possibly make it for you because you need big machinery and like chemical solvents and stuff. Um, and the 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 fact that's related to that is that this is they're all concentrated. So every seed, every individual seed that is in a seed oil has a tiny bit of oil. And so you have to squeeze a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of oil out of a large, large, large number of seeds to get an appreciable quantity of seed oil. So for example, corn oil, like one tablespoon of corn oil is like 20 ears of corn worth of oil. That's insane. Yeah. Well, maybe it's a dozen. I don't know. But it's, it's more but, than you never yeah, consider it's, eating. It's exactly. more than you never consider eating. So like this is kind of the issue. Like when we talk about like natural foods, whole foods, like I'm sure people are familiar with the whole idea, like eat fruit instead of plain sugar because you get the fiber along with the sugar. Um, yeah. You know, actual foods have all the things that you need in the right combinations for you to process them. Wow, magic! What a, what a coincidence, right? Um, Nature. So got when it you right. do this sort of when you do this sort of concentration BS, then you're able to extract a lot of like more of the bad stuff, you know, all at once and hyper concentrate it. That and you would never be able to expose yourself to that in like a natural setting. A similar thing happens when people start putting kale in juices. Um, like kale and other cruciferous vegetables are high in uh, oxalates, and oxalates are toxic in large quantities. Um, they can cause kidney stones and inflammatory. They're inflammatory in general. It's it's very bad. Um, however, if you were to eat kale, you would maybe eat like a few leaves or something, and then you'd be tapped out. Like that's enough kale. But if you were to juice it without the fiber filling you up, you're going to eat like pounds of kale worth of kale. You know, in this <laughs> yeah. ju- in this juice without the fiber. And so anything that's bad in the kale is going to get concentrated and then you're going to eat a lot of it and that's a problem. So it's the same thing with seed oils. This bad thing that's present in small quantities that would not be worth you know worrying about in normal situations becomes very potent because you eat a lot of it. Um, so that's the general, like what seed oils are. Why they're bad, simply, I mean, they're, they are inherently inflammatory. And so oils, like fats in general, when you eat fats, they go everywhere in your body because your body is run on and built with fat. Your cell membranes are made of fat. Your cholesterol, like your hormones are made of fat. Cholesterol is made of fat. You have body fat. So fat gets everywhere. And so wherever this like inflammatory fat molecule ends up, it causes inflammation. And then wherever that is, it like looks slightly different, but it causes a problem. So if it happens in your eyes, you get macular degeneration. If it happens in your brain, you get Alzheimer's. If it happens in your skin, you get skin cancer and sunburn. 
Um, if it happens in the fat, um, especially in women, like around their the middle part of their body, then you get cellulite because um, estrogen combined with like PUFAs basically causes cellulite, and those tissues are higher in estrogen. Um, if it happens in your gut, you get IBS. If it happens in your liver, you get fatty liver disease. Uh, so, so the point is like they're think about they're they're literal like they're just they're just terrorist molecules that go all over your body and just like tear apart your living tissues. And so whatever that looks like in whatever part of your body it is, it's going to have some, you know, you know, noticeable effect. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. I've actually never heard someone describe it in that way. So I'm glad I asked you. So you brought up a really great point that I think will help people understand this. It is very hard to extract oil out of like a sunflower seed. But then you think alternatively olive oil, one of the reasons why it's so healthy for you, I mean, you just squish an an olive and you get oil. And olive oil comes out. Like it just leaks out. Yeah. So olive oil is like a fruit oil. And and similarly, avocados is a fruit oil. It comes from the fleshy fruit part of that thing, not the seed on the inside. Although there's another clever one, olive pomace oil. Oh, I haven't heard of that. P-O-M-A-C-E. It's on like cheaper foods or like it's used in industrial settings so people can call it olive oil. But like they just crush the whole olives off and, uh, up and after they extract the extra version of olive oil, they crush this mashup. I think it's called pomace. That's why it's hence the name. And they crush the seeds. So now you have olive seeds there. And all the good oil has been extracted and then whatever's left, that's olive pomace oil. So yeah, big difference between fruit. Like the only places where you can get oils from are seeds, fruits, and animal animals. Um so the, the only fruit oil that I would personally consider worth eating is olive oil. I mean, I if I were a Polynesian, I would consider eating coconut oil, um, but I'm not. And when I eat it, it makes me feel terrible. And I like my my uh, excrement appears in ways that are too graphic to describe. Um, <laughs> but it's not pleasant, so I don't eat it. Um, I, I, my ancestry comes from the Mediterranean, so, uh, I will eat my olive oil and I'll be fine. Um, but yeah, so that's the only fruit oil I would eat. And then the other oils, of course, the animal fats. So you got butter and ghee, which are like the same thing, which are amazing tallow. Um, and then lard is questionable. It's based on the source of the, of the pig. If the pig's good, the lard's going to be good. If the pig's bad, the lard's going to be bad. And same thing with like chicken fat or something. So yeah, personally, I would stick to... Like real olive oil, butter, uh, tallow, and honestly, that's pretty much it. Yeah, ghee, maybe, sure. Yeah, that's That's pretty much what I do too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what Uh, do you need anything else for? (laughs) Exactly, you know, yeah, I know, I totally agree. So I know this is something you're really passionate about, and I'm excited to talk to you about this. Um, Kind of piggybacking off the seed oils. So we hear a lot about this online now, that if you don't eat seed oils, you won't burn. And everyone is so scared of the sun. Everyone's so scared of getting burned. Everyone's using this crazy chemical sunscreen that they're lathering on their skin. And then it's reacting with the chemicals in that sunscreen are reacting with the UV rays. And that is actually what is causing cancer. Yeah. Like it's very funny. Cancer rates increase um, as time goes on and people spend less time in the sun, in particular, less time in the sun unprotected. Right. Like I like to, to say this like little thought experiment. If the sun were toxic to human biology, like we would never have left, like come out of the trees. You know, we'd be still swinging from branches in the shade as monkeys. You know, that's a great like, point. How does that make sense? Like, how how is that even remotely possible? Um, so, I mean, there's a few things to consider, right? Because like some people will be like, oh, well, the ozone layer is like depleted, so it's str- it's like the sun's too strong. Well, 
the ozone layer has recovered to like within I think six percent of what it you know historically was after we banned like the chemical that caused the hole in the ozone layer in the 1980s. So that's not it. Um, I mean, yeah, you could argue latitude for sure. Like if you're from Northern Europe and you spend your time in Costa Rica, um, there's going to be you know a little bit of adaptation there that maybe you're not a hundred percent well suited to. Uh, but at the same time, your ancestors were out in the sun, like farming and hunting and doing all their stuff, like for hours a day. And what, what do you do? Like 30 minutes of tanning? Like what are we talking about here? You know? So you can't even compare like the amount of sun exposure. Um, but the real thing comes down to, uh, what it comes down to is that your skin is like ill prepared to handle the sun, which is, yes, very intense radiation. You just are not built to handle it. Just like if you started barefoot running, your feet would get torn up if you go on the pavement like the first day. But if you build up your foot calluses over however many miles of barefoot running, then you'll be able to barefoot run just fine. It's the same thing. Like think about your sun calluses. Like you have to build that up. Um, and it's and people will be like, oh, but then I'll like get wrinkly and I'll look terrible and whatever else. But like the reason for the you know the inadequate ability of your skin to handle the sun has to do with well seed oils, two things: seed oils and then a lack of uh, cholesterol. So. Those two points I'll take separately, but they're related. Um, I mentioned before that seed oil molecules are inflammatory. Wherever they go, they cause inflammation. Well, the the reaction that actually happens is called oxidation, and oxidation is accelerated by the presence of light, heat, and oxygen. And so if you have subcutaneous fat right under your skin, and your cell membranes in your skin have PUFAs in them, so PUFAs are like the, the name for the oils that are in seed oils, then when you go out in the bright sun, which is UV, it's very intense, like the seed oils in your body are being exposed to the UV. So that rate of uh, oxidation is going to accelerate, which means the rate of inflammation is going to accelerate. So you go out there and you go in the sun, you get red and you're like, oh, my skin, oh, you know, the sun's bad. Well, no, your skin has like basically, if you want to think about it, like little inflammation magnifying glasses that are receiving the sunlight and multiplying its negative effects. Um, so if your skin is free of seed oils, then your ability to, you know, handle sun, uh, sunlight without the inflammation from sunburn, that improves. Now, and then the other thing about seed oils, why they're so insidious, it's not directly related, but if you eat a lot of your fat from seed oils, that means you're not eating a lot of cholesterol because cholesterol is in saturated fats. Um, and so cholesterol is necessary to turn sunlight, like UV light from the sun into vitamin D. Um, so like the literal chemical reaction is like UV light plus like this form of cholesterol, 7-dehydroxycholesterol, I think I said that right, um, that reaction then produces vitamin D. So if you don't have cholesterol, it's like, it's like you're trying to collect solar energy without solar panels on your house. It's just going to like heat up the roof of your house. So you need to have your little solar panels there to collect the sunlight, and so you eat your saturated fats. So, so that's another um, issue. And then, and then perhaps the last thing also is that vitamin A, uh, is necessary for skin health. And so if you eat a lot of seed oils, well, guess what? Seed oils don't have vitamin A, but all the fats that you should be eating, like butter and tallow, do have vitamin A. So if you're replacing good fat calories with bad fat calories, not only are you adding the presence of this inflammatory thing, you're detracting from the, the actual nourishing like vitamins that would be in the thing that you're not eating. So you need vitamin A as well. Um, but yeah, that's sort of like double, triple whammy of combinations. Um, combined with people don't adequately build up their sun tolerance results in their negative experiences with the sun. And that's why they resort to like crazy concoctions and chemicals like sunscreen. Yeah. Wow. That was fascinating. Um, 
So for people listening that are like, okay, if I went and tanned right now, I would burn. Mm-hmm. What is your advice on how to start building that up over yes. time? Um, so it's important to start, if you're going to tan in a given day, it's important to start in the morning. Um, sun exposure, both in your eyes uh, and on your skin in the early morning, or use a red light panel. So people have red light therapy. Because if you think about it, right, the red light which is naturally higher, uh, higher in intensity in the morning time from the sun. That's signaling your body, hey, in four hours, like it's going to be strong sunlight out here. So, like, get ready to be able to build your melanin or whatever. So, red light primes your skin uh, to accept the sort of UV light that happens at midday. So, yeah, red light therapy. I tell people to do this if they're going to go on a tanning bed, like if it's the winter and they live in London, do red light therapy before you'll do a tanning bed. Um, so tanning bed? Do, are we recommending tanning beds? Well, I mean, if you live in, if you live in London and it's the winter, then it's better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, it would be my preference to like fly to a place that's warmer with sun, which is like what I try to do. Um, but if that's you know not feasible for you, then then yeah, I think it's better than nothing. I mean, people with sad like seasonal affective disorder, like what's the cure? You get a UV lamp. That's a tanning bed just on your desk. You know. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, if you're going to uh, tan in a given day, you should start with red light. Um, I mean, it, ideally, you just go out in the morning for ten minutes, and then you pick like sort of you know the the medium intensity light if you're just starting out, say eleven a.m. or like ten thirty, and then you do you know five ten minutes, five minutes on each side. Do like roast yourself like a little you know rotisserie chicken, um, and then you do five minutes on each side, and then that's it. Then you do the same thing the next day, same thing the next day, and then you do ten minutes on each side. And then you do 15 minutes on each side, and then you maybe go out at noon or 1 p.m. You know, and then you just build it up slowly that way. Whilst, of course, doing all the food-related stuff that we mentioned: stop eating seed oils and eat more vitamin A and cholesterol. And that—that's all you really need. Yeah, I mean, I live in Southern California, and I feel like my yeah, I just—I mean, my diet is so healthy that I don't burn anyways. Yeah. But I also feel like I—I I think my body was just so used to being in the sun all the time. I hike every day. I walk the beach a lot. I'm in the sun a lot, and yeah. I never put sunscreen on. I will say though, I do put sunscreen on my face. How do you mm-hmm. feel about that? Like a non-toxic zinc base. I mean, I would prefer wearing a hat personally. Yeah. So that's what I would do, and I, and I do wear a hat. Not like there's an extent to which, like, yes, you want to tan and get the health benefits from the sun, but we don't need to be spending six hours like a day at like you know equatorial sun exposure during the summer. Like that's not exactly. you know, two extremes again. Like get some sunlight, don't sit in your fluorescent lit office building all day. But there's not really a need for you to be out there like for six hours. So hat, I mean, that's totally fine. I would prefer. So the other thing too is that like if your eyes are blocked from UV light. Then your skin doesn't know what the hell is going on, and so you'll be more prone to burning because, like, your eyes will like not be giving your skin the signal that like it needs to like produce the melanin or whatever to absorb the sunlight. So, um, I I would prefer to avoid like whenever I go out and tan and stuff, like I'll take my glasses off. Even even regular clear glasses, they they block UV light, um, and especially sunglasses. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So wow. I would do that too. But yeah, hats are great. I I, I would not preferred to put, you know, sunscreen, but I think, you know, Van Man just came out with a tallow balm and zinc like basically sunscreen, which is like what I would use if I wanted to. Uh, but I think I think the clothing uh, is generally the best. Like get in the shade and, and put on clothing is the best way to avoid super intense sun if you're not ready for it or you don't want it. Yeah, like if you're going to be in a boat all day, um put, you know, clothing on. Put a, a yeah, like linen is, shirt on. This is why God invented white linen. 
you know? Like, That's so funny. Like, not only will you protect yourself, you won't be putting this like cancerous goop, and you look better. So it's yes, true. Yeah, you, you look fly. Layer. You know, you look cool. Yeah. <laughs> And don't so, don't kill don't kill the fish. Also, yeah, that's another thing too. Like think that's of the a fish. big one. If you're gonna go out in the water and you got this crap on your all over your body, like, and then and then you're gonna sit around and be like, why are all the fish dying? Why are the coral reefs dead? Like, well, because you literally go swimming and like put your cancerous crap like right in their home, you know? Exactly, and it's killing them all off. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really big one too. Um, do you think there are outside of what did you say was Van Man? I wrote it down. Van, Van Man. Man. Yeah. Are there any other ones? Like, what do you think about the zinc oxides? Because if I'm in the sun all day, like when I went mm. to Mexico recently, we were in the sun for a long time. Sure. And I was putting like a zinc oxide, like a non toxic sunscreen. How do you feel about mm. that? Um, I mean, if it's so zinc oxide, I think there's two forms. One is like one is like the the, the particles are much smaller than the other. It's like micro zinc. I, I forget what it is. One of those is better than the other, um, and I forget which one. I would have to I would have to ask because I, I don't use this stuff. Um, one of those is better than the other, and then if it's just that plus like your tallow or coconut oil or whatever the carrier oil is, and it's and if it's like a good fat, then like sure, go for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, me personally, once again, still prefer the to just wear the linen. Um, and also, like if it's very hot, like that actually keeps you cool, like long sleeve linen stuff. Like people don't realize this. Um, but this is why, like people in the in the Middle East wear like the white, you know, you've seen like the white, um, I forget what they're called, um, ro- robes, for lack of a better term, because it's so hot outside. So it's like say 100 degrees. Um, your body temperature is 98.6, right? So sweating and like being outside, like the, sweating works when like the outside air is like cooler than you. But when the outside air is like 100 degrees. Like it's literally better to be ninety eight point six. Like so, what the what the robes, the thick robes do is they create this sort of insulating layer where the air in between your skin and the robe is ninety eight point six, and the air on the outside of the robe is like a hundred or whatever it is, and so it protects you from the heat in this way. Where if you were like bare skin, you would like you would die, which is why they why they don't do it and why they have white robes. Um, so it actually helps keep you cool. So would highly highly recommend. Well, I'm feeling really good about my recent linen purchases for my Mexico trip coming up. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Yes, very important. That's great. <laughs> what, uh, what's your favorite brand of linen? Oh, um, I actually, I got this white linen shirt from this brand called Vitamin C, huh. um, but it's like oh, S-E-A. S-E-A. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I really, I love that one a lot. Yeah, it's cute. And I like the name too. Um, there's also another brand that I'm totally blanking on right now. Dish makes good stuff too, D-I-S-S-H. Okay, I haven't heard of either of these. If there's if there's um, any males listening, I don't know if this company makes women's clothing, but uh, I like Alex Crane a lot. Mm. Alex C R A N E. Alex Crane. Um, they make very very nice looking things. And then um, nice. also Dandy Del Mar is also cool. I don't know if they have as much linen, but they definitely have like nice like beachy things. That's actually what I'm wearing right now. I saw it and it was like the Masa shirt. It's like and I'm the- like. I have to. I have to get this. I turn myself into a masa chip. I mean, it's perfect. I wish people could, that are listening to the podcast right now could see this. I was actually yeah. going to point that out before we <laughs> got off. I was like, your shirt literally looks like the bag. Yes, it's so it cool. Is, it is a white. It's like look at, look at that. It's like orange and white stripe, like knit cotton shirt. It's uh, so yeah, good. It's so good. Alex Alex Crane is great. Um, big fan of his. He also has great shorts. That's what I wear as my swim shorts. They're like linen short shorts. 
And like nice. linen dries relatively quickly when you get it wet. So I just literally just my shorts and then I just go in the water and then they dry and it's like, it's great. I love that. All right, I'm going to tell my boyfriend that. Yeah, because most, most plastic or most bathing suits for men and women are plastic. And so of course you want to avoid plastic if at all possible. Yeah, there are a it's few heating examples. up in the sun too. Yeah. There are a few, yeah, it's, and it's like clinging to your skin. You're just like direct injecting like microplastics into your body. There's a, a good brand f- that makes women's swim stuff um, called Akoya Swim, A-K-O-I-A, Akoya Swim. They use, I think most of their stuff is like natural fabrics. Um, they are knit, most of them, but I don't think all of them, but yeah, they look pretty good. So they're very like Bali style. I love Awesome. Um, okay. I'm writing all these down. Um, yeah, this is great. Well, is there anything else that we haven't gone over that you think is really important for people to know as, you know, in terms of what we talked about today or really uh, Sure. Yeah. I think, okay. Um, it's very important to understand that healthy foods taste good. Like, I think we already talked about this, but just yeah, like, but it's important to reiterate it. Yeah. It's important to reiterate it. Cause like, not only like, okay, you, the listener, you have your willpower. You can eat your cardboard and like be fine with it, um, even though the cardboard's not healthy. But whatever, you can you know apply the sort of you know strength of will to make yourself be healthy when your you know your impulses would otherwise tell you not to do that. Most people can't do that, and most people don't do that. Hence, why everyone's fat and sick. So the problem is not that they have some lack of willpower here. They're not bad people or whatever. Those very same people who lived in the 1950s would have been perfectly healthy and fit and whatever. They because because they would just go to the food store, buy the food, and eat the food, and it was fine. Nowadays, if you're a normal person, you go to the food store, buy the food, eat the food, you're gonna get you're gonna have problems. Um, and it's very sad because people get so frustrated about this because they try really hard to like lose weight or be healthy or whatever, and then like, well, whatever. I'll, I'll get back to that. Uh, so the the issue here is that. If you're going to uh, try to be a normal person, you're not going to put in all the effort that they think that we as health people go crazy about. Like my friend, for example, he's like, "Oh, you're insane! I work 80 hours a week. I work in finance. Like, I don't have time for this. Like, congratulations, you work 10 hours a week because you have a software engineering job at a big tech company. Like, good job. You know, you can do all this stuff." He's not going to do it. So for those people, and those are the people that I'm really trying to like reach, and I think we should reach if we care about the health of our fellow humans. Those are the people we really need to get through to. We need to let them understand, or you know, make them understand that like the good food is not a sacrifice. It makes their lives better. Um, you know, it tastes better. It's more enjoyable. It's more filling, and it can be convenient. Which is like you know, there's not many brands like Masa. To be fair, we're working on it. We're we're gonna have new, more products and this kind of thing. Um, but I think the very existence of this kind of thing will will be will be game changing for people. Um, because yeah, and then and then to the healthy people, there's this point where like, I'm sure I'm sure people are familiar with this. You want to be healthy. You finally you're like frustrated. You're like I give up. You know I'm tired of being this way. I'm gonna go be healthy. <clears throat> so then you restrict yourself. You hear about a vegan diet. You hear about a keto diet. You hear about a carnivore diet. And you're like I'm gonna I'm gonna intermittent fast. I'm gonna like eat 200 calories a day or you know whatever a thousand calories a day. I'm gonna run 20 miles. All these things. Like your body's not built for that and you'll fail. I'm sorry. Like it's not a willpower issue. It's like a physiological issue. And so what happens is then they fail and then they, you know, end up binge eating something bad for them, like really bad, like a tub of Ben and Jerry's or like In N Out French fries or something. Um, and then 
now they physically like feel good because they ate, but then they are psychologically feel terrible. Like they have this guilt, you know, guilt spiral that they go in, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so bad. I have to punish myself even more by you know eating 800 calories a day and running 20 miles a day." And then they'll fail, and then they'll binge again. And so it's like this restrict binge guilt cycle, restrict binge guilt punish, on and on and on. And that is no way to become healthy. Not only are you going to mess your psychology up, but you're going to kill your metabolism in the process because that's not how the body works. Like your body will adapt to eat a lower amount of calories and you'll still get fat. You know, that's just how it works. So in order to like for the health people to break free of this and for the unhealthy people to break free of the fact that they eat junk all, all day, they have to know that healthy food tastes good, it's more enjoyable, and you can eat, you know, unrestricted, you'll be full, you'll be satisfied, you can do all that and still be optimally healthy. And in fact, that is how to be optimally healthy. All the healthiest people I know eat this way. I know plenty of people who like, you know, have, you know, that do all this restrictive stuff, they're not as healthy. All the healthiest people I know eat like what we talk about. So I think that's the important thing. And the only way to really show people this is like through demonstration. You know, you go to a party, you bring your good food, you bring your moss chips, you know, of course. Um, or what whatever. You 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 show your friends that like, hey, this I'm a healthy person, this is how I eat, my life's enjoyable, so can you. And I think that's how we really like fix this whole issue. So that's what I'll end with. That was awesome. What a way to end. I mean, that was um, more people need to hear this because, you know, that's, I would say out of all the comments and DMs I get, that's probably the most prevalent that I get is a variation of people saying, oh, come on, live a little. Life is too short. Or yeah. um, how can you do this to yourself? And also I'm, I'm sitting here being like, you're you're feeling pity for me, and I'm over it's here like, living my best life. Like, yeah, literally you're doing eating. fine. Like, I see your Instagram stories. You're you're doing fine. Like, I'm no. thriving. I'm like I'm yeah. thriving over here. And also, don't ever feel restricted. I eat all the foods I want to eat. The food I I have a rule that my food needs to not only be good for me, but also taste good. I don't yes. choke back like disgusting foods that because yeah. I just because I think like oh I have to eat this because it's healthy for me. No. Yes. Yeah. I don't do that. And, that, and that's so counterproductive because, like, it's and this is the real, like, the final quote unquote red pill here is that, like, doing that is actually how to be healthy. Because some people, oh, you're coping, you just want to eat tasty things. Like, no, human taste, as all animal taste evolved, did evolve to find the best foods for us through taste. That's why you have taste buds. But, like, if you eat artificial foods, the chemical engineers hijacked your natural taste mechanism. So you know you'll have you'll find tasty things that aren't healthy for you. But if you're only eating things that are natural, as in like you could take a time machine 200 years ago and find actual humans eating this. If you eat only those things, eat whatever you want, and you'll be fine. I love it. Okay, I want to ask you one more question before we go because I ask all of my uh, guests this: What are your personal health non-negotiables? So these are things that you do either daily or weekly. Okay, non-negotiable. Um, oh wow, uh, how long you got? <laughs> um, <laughs> or you can give us like a skim, yeah, but like your favorite, maybe your like top couple that you're just like, I have to do this every day sure. for my health. I I do not uh, drink tap water. It's like a no big way. one. Yeah. Um, I do not wear plastic clothing. <laughs> um, and I do not eat food that is invented pro- like you know in the past hundred years. Um, and I don't eat anything that's like not organic. Um, and then the you know the last sort of minor thing is like I think like about 90 percent of everything that I eat comes from like a local farm, like you know within an hour from here. 
um, which is great. Not everyone can do that because they don't necessarily live in a place where there's good farms. In New Jersey, ironically enough, we have the ability to do this, the Garden State, for a reason. Uh, but yeah, every like 90% of what I eat comes from like a local farm. That's incredible. All right, please tell people where they can find you online. Where can they find sure. Masa Chips? Really Tan Man. Uh, spells, great name. As you would imagine, Really Tan Man <laughs> on every social platform. And then you can find Masa Chips, Masa, M-A-S-A underscore chips on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find Masa Chips themselves on masachips.com. Awesome. Thank you also, so much. Also, I don't know if you have a code that you're going to... Do you have a code? Oh, I don't. You should have a code. Yes, you have a discount code. We just, okay. we just made you one. Okay, let's do it. Can we make it Real Foodology? Absolutely. All right. Great. Also, if you're going to buy Masa Chips, Real Foodology for your, your discount. Great. <laughs> I love it. You guys definitely check them out. Masa Chips are the best tortilla chip you will ever have. So try them now. Thank me later. DM me and be like, these chips changed my life. Also DM Really Tan Man. Let him know. And awesome. um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And thanks for coming on, Stephen. This was really yeah, fun. It's been fun. Yeah, thanks, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. If you liked the episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let me know. This is a resonant media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Mike Fry. The theme song is called Heaven by the amazing singer Georgie. Georgie is spelled with a J. For more amazing podcasts produced by my team, go to resonantmediagroup.com. I love you guys so much. See you next week. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and doesn't constitute a provider-patient relationship. I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. As always, talk to your doctor or your health team first.